Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBACs, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Hey! Did you guys know that we have a VBAC shop? Well, in case you didn't, now you do. Head over to our website and check out the shop. Right now, we have a PDF ready for you. It is something that is going to help you on your journey to VBAC. It has wonderful information like how to find a good provider, what questions to ask, how to find a doula, what questions to ask your doula, the risks of VBAC, et cetera, et cetera. You guys, we are so excited to be offering you this shop. We want to know what do you guys want to see in this shop? What templates do you want? What printouts do you want? We are thinking of getting a necklace right now, a VBAC necklace that is maybe stamped and says, why we VBAC or VBAC or VBAC mama. Tell us what you think. What do you want to see in the shop? What can we bring to you? Write us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, on our website, utahvbacklink.com, or at our email, info at utahvbacklink.com. We are excited to bring this shop to you, and we cannot wait to fill it with an amazing resource, tools, swag, and we know you are wanting the manual. We know you guys want that manual, and we promise it is coming. Keep hanging tight. We are excited for the day that we're going to be able to announce it for you. It is coming soon. We promise. Let us know what we can bring to you. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 22. We have with you today our friend. She contacted us on Instagram. Her name is Diana, and she is from Washington, and we cannot wait to hear her story You guys, we talk about big babies all the time. I'm sure you're just hearing it in all these episodes. It seems to be a trend. But let me tell you what, she's the biggest baby. She's had had the biggest baby that we've heard of so far. So you will want to stick around and hear just how big this baby was. Megan is not lying. This baby is huge. That's something that I love so much is, yeah, she had a big baby. But look at what she did. So I love it, and we can't wait to hear your story, Diana. So without further ado, why don't we turn the time over to you? All right, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm a person that has always been really, really interested in home birth for whatever reason. I was born in a really conventional way in a hospital, you know, with doctors and anesthesia and that kind of thing, but Somewhere in my psyche, like home birth has always been something that has been really important to me and that really intrigued me and resonated with me on a really deep level. So when I became pregnant with my first baby, I planned a home birth, found some local home birth midwives, and 
had a very easy, uneventful first pregnancy. I really had no morning sickness. I didn't have any physical issues at all. I had all the standard screenings that you have, you know, including gestational diabetes, which will be relevant <laughs> later in the story. And everything was fine. I had a great pregnancy with my first son. As I approached the end of that pregnancy, I started to feel really, really uncomfortable. Like, like all of my inter- internal organs were being smashed and like I couldn't walk very well. And I just felt huge. But I kind of just thought like, well, this is what you feel like at the end of pregnancy. You know, I didn't know any different. It was my very first baby. And that pregnancy ended up going to 41 weeks and I think about three days. So kind of a longer pregnancy, but definitely not atypical for a first time mom. And the day that I went into labor, I was so excited. I was so happy. This was an experience that I really wanted to have. And I really welcomed the feelings, the sensations of labor as they came on. Like when I started to really believe it, like, oh, this is really happening. This is definitely labor. It was just so exciting and I was so happy about it. It was, it was really a, a beautiful thing. So labor that day began like, or like in the morning, like around 8 or 9 a.m. And I kind of labored, you know, kind of slowly, slow build up through the day. And by about 7 p.m. that night, it got to the point where I felt like I needed to call my doula. So my doula came over around 8. And I had a really great consistent labor pattern. I felt really good. I felt you know, like I was working really hard, but it was totally doable. We had rented a tub and I got into that the later labor tub as soon as I could. And that really, really helped me. It was kind of the only place that I felt comfortable. And then my midwife came over probably around 9 or 10 p.m. And I think she checked me at that point and I was around 6 or 7 centimeters dilated. So definitely an active labor. And the rest of the night is really a blur. You know, it's really hard to describe labor, as I'm sure you two know, because, you know, there's a bit of a time warp that happens, but I'll do my mm-hmm. best here. You know, it's like, <laughs> you don't know how many hours you did one thing or in what position or what, but I labored all night and really hard labor too. And, and it was uh, very intense. And at some time in the morning, like I want to say, the sun had risen. It was like maybe eight. This was the dead of winter in Seattle, by the way. So the the sun doesn't rise here until like 8 or 9 a.m. in February. So it's around that time I had been fully opened, fully dilated for a while, but there was something really strange going on. And even though I was a first-time mom, I could sense that something was strange. And what I could feel was my son was like very high up in my ribs. Like imagine that feeling of kicking and little fists punching you, but like really high up in your ribs, right under your lungs. I felt that and I never, I could tell he wasn't descended into my pelvis at all, even though my body had been doing this really hard work to open completely. He wasn't coming down. That was something that I could tell even though it was a first time mom and I had never done this before. Wow. And yeah. Intuition. So it had been, <laughs> yeah, I could, I could just tell something was off and it, it had been, uh, I guess a day and a half of labor at this point, which is a long time, but not crazy long, but it was a long time. And my midwife knew if I wanted to transfer that point. I think everybody else on my team was pretty tired. I agreed to do it. And even in this moment, I'm not totally sure why. I don't really know if it was intuition or if it was that I was very suggestible, but I agreed to transfer. We had talked about a transfer plan ahead of time. And so we knew where we were going to go. And um, my midwife had a relationship with the nurses at the hospital 
where we had talked about transferring if we needed to. So that gave me a little bit of comfort. So yeah, so we transferred in the morning, you know, after about a bit over 24 hours of labor. And like many laboring women say that, oh, that ride in the car when you're like, you know, in transition and just about to have your baby is like literally the worst thing in the world. So, so hard. But I got there and you know, I'm going to be really honest about my experience. I won't be like graphic or scary. I know that a lot of people have very positive hospital experiences and have po- uh, positive even C-section experiences in the hospital. And yeah. I'm just going to be honest about my own experience, but I, I won't say it in a way, hopefully, that freaks anyone out. But my own experience was once I got there, I was very much a number and not a person. And hmm. I had, there was no consent to anything that happened to me. I was given an epidural and I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. And to be honest, I really wasn't in any place where I could advocate for myself. I was, I was in like transition type labor where I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I could, there's nothing that I could do. They gave me an epidural. And at that point I was completely numb from the chest down and couldn't move, but at least I, you know, could rest. So I rested. And then what proceeded to happen was my water was broken and I was given, you know, external monitors. And then they gave me Pitocin, which is so bizarre to me because I was in full-blown active labor. Like, they did not need to give me Pitocin. That's just crazy. You know, I realize all of this in retrospect, but at the time I didn't fully comprehend what was happening to my body. I was just trying to survive it. And then, you know, as we know, Pitocin does affect heart tones in babies. It can be really hard on babies' heart rate. Yeah. And my son started to have a really irregular, scary heart rate. And at that point, they screwed in, um, hard for me to even say it, but they screwed in an electronic, um, heart rate monitor on his scalp. So I just had like the whole shebang, you know, like literally everything that the hospital can throw at you was you given got. to me. <laughs> I got it all. I got uh. it all. Yeah. It's a unique trauma coming from a home birth because those yeah. of us who who home birth we 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 kind of like trust that system a bit more and I think perhaps m- most of us are a little more I want to say like skeptical of many of the things that are routinely done to women in labor in a hospital right so it, it's scarier I think for us and it certainly was for me and and you know I didn't know anyone there I'd literally never seen anyone. I don't think that anyone at this particular hospital meant me any harm. I think they were doing their job. You know, I don't, I'm not angry about it really. It just was an experience that was really awful. It was, it was awful. And after only about, I want to say like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe a half hour on the Pitocin, suddenly there was this worry of activity and a rush of people ran into my room and they said, you're having a C-section right now. No one told me why. I, I only pieced together later. Yeah, I only pieced together later that it was obviously he was having heart decelerations, but no one even told me. Mm. Um, and I was, I looked at the doctor and, you know, I had taken, you know, I had taken birth preparation classes and I had been, you know, taught to say certain things like, you know, can we have a minute to talk about this? Is that possible? And I said that and they literally said, no, you can't talk about it. We're taking you back right now. Oh my God. So I was separated from my husband, my doula. They didn't let your husband go he, back? Not at that point. They did later, but not like they rushed me out of the room. It was, it was awful, but you know, here's where I kind of want to throw like a big shout out to doulas because I even knew in that moment, like 
doulas really serve the whole family, right? And my doula, even though I was separated from her, she was with my partner. And I, I know in that moment where, you know, my partner was probably thinking, oh my God, Diana's going to die. My baby's going to die. I don't know what's happening. I know she was giving mm-hmm. him support with him. He wasn't alone, you know, in this experience. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, thank that you. That's so important. That's just amazing. That's yeah, one thing it's people very don't often think about. Like, they think that doulas are trying to take the place of your husband or, you know, try and make it, I mean, we try and make it easier on him, but like, he definitely doesn't get out of the picture easy. He like, oh, no. more easy for him to be involved, for sure. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought doulas, that up. Thank you. Yeah. You, doulas support the whole family and I'm, that really was a moment of grace in this story that as I think about it now, I always have to mention it because I'm so grateful that she was there even though she wasn't right there with, able to be with I you. she was there with yeah. him. Yeah. She was with him. So, yeah, so I I was whisked off into a cold operating room. I was in total fight or flight survival mode. My partner and my doula got there like in a, just a couple of minutes. I'm sure they wanted them to scrub up and stuff and then they were they were with me. I could like look up and I could see like four of the most beautiful brown eyes you've ever seen in your life. My husband and my doula like are just have the most beautiful brown eyes you've ever seen. And I always like have that picture ingrained in my, in my brain, just looking up at them and thinking like they were trying to tell me that we're here and you're okay. And I really wasn't okay, but I, I still see that picture in my mind and I'm grateful for it. So the C-section itself was very traumatic. I don't know that I had, I won't, I, I won't like try to describe that. I'm trying to be kind of not say this in a super traumatic way, but I don't think that I had adequate anesthesia during the procedure. I, I mm. felt more than oh I think I should gosh. have. And I, yeah. And I, um, I, he, they got him out very quickly and I was kind of like hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe. And I, I saw them out of the corner of, my eye take them over, you know, the, the perinatologist took them over to the, the like warming table. A warmer. Mm-hmm. Someone, yeah, and, and someone shouted out, he's 12 pounds, three ounces. <laughs> and Whoa. I turned my head and I went, I think you guys, like I audibly said no. Like I said no. Like, <laughs> no that's way. Not possible. <laughs> yeah, and to, I mean, just to give you guys some context, I probably gained like 20 pounds during my pregnancy. I am a petite oh. woman. My husband's a petite person. Uh, as I said, I was screened for gestational diabetes. I did not have it. Like there was no indication that this baby was going to be, be that pounds. ginormous. Oh my he was all huge. babies. Like people say all babies. All babies. Yeah. Like you were all baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so out of the blue and so shocking and, it, I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm a vegan. Like, I like I can't grow a cell phone, baby. I couldn't believe it. I remember turning my head and I saw just a glimpse of him and he was, he was huge. He was so, so big. He was the biggest newborn I've ever seen in my life. He was so big. And then at that point, I think there was a part of my psyche that like once I saw him and I saw him cry, I knew he was okay. I started to like scream. Like I just started screaming. I could feel everything that they were doing to me and they and then at that point I blacked out and I found out later that I had hemorrhaged I don't know if I blacked out from hemorrhaging or if it happened from they put something in my IV that made me desedated it could have been either one I'm not totally sure about that 
So that was my son's birth. That was a home birth to a very traumatic, scary C-section. And I know, I just have to say, I know that like everyone that hears my story, like in the conventional world, like thinks, well, thank God you had a C-section. You know, you was so big. You was 12 pounds, three ounces. Mm -hmm. And I completely, I completely understand that. But I, I just do want to say, like, there are lots of people that actually do have 11 and 12 pound babies. It's totally possible to do it. And, it's, you know, I've had five years to reflect on this birth. And I really feel like his birth was just going to be difficult either way. You know what I mean? Like, had I continued at home, had I birthed him at home, I think it would have been a really difficult birth. Maybe yeah. I could have done it. I really don't know. I mean, I'm kind of resting in the unknowing about that all at this point had a really tough recovery. I had a really tough one year postpartum. The first year postpartum with him was challenging. We had every single breastfeeding struggle you can imagine. And I, it was extremely important for me to breastfeed him and to have that relationship be successful. I know a lot of women who have had difficult births or traumatic births or births that didn't go the way that they wanted it to go to, to, to express that, um, you know, when the breastfeeding, they, the, the breastfeeding working out is really important to them because then you can feel like some aspect of this biological process went right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I worked really hard at it and we, you know, after months and months and months of pain and low supply and, um, you know, mastitis and literally everything, <laughs> we we ended up having a really successful breastfeeding relationship and we, we nursed till about he was two. And so I'm grateful for that part. I'm so grateful that we were able to make that happen. That is so and then awesome. It, it, thank you. It was really important to me. And, you know, especially to, you know, since he was born via C-section, I wanted to mitigate the effects of antibiotics and, you know, all of the things that can mess up a baby's gut health. I didn't want to add formula on top of that if I didn't have to. So it was important to me to make that work. But right around the time that we weaned, I found out I was pregnant and it was a total, total shock to be pregnant again. We had been actively trying to prevent pregnancy. I really didn't want to have another baby. I really was so traumatized by this experience that I didn't really want to heal from it even. I didn't even want to touch it. Like I, I just felt really broken. I felt like... yeah. I can't ever go to, I can't ever touch this whole birth topic again. This thing that I was so interested in as a young woman that kind of called to me and spoke to me, I just felt like it was not something that I could ever touch again. But then, you know, I, I found myself with a second pregnancy and, you know, in my heart, I, I knew that I wanted this child. I knew that I, I just knew that I wanted him. And I knew enough about VBAC laws to know that, you know, this varies state by state, and I'm sure that you talk about this on your podcast, but in the state where I live, I knew that I would have some restrictions about who could attend my birth, where I could birth, and what that would look like as a VBAC mom. So where I live, there are some hospitals, and this has actually gotten better in the three years since I birthed my my baby, uh, but, but at the time that I was pregnant with him, there were some hospitals that would allow you to try to have a VBAC, and, and, you know, typically that's with, you know, added 
monitoring and different restrictions like no induction. And you, you guys are all familiar with like the, the added restrictions that they have on VBAC patients. Oh, yes. Um, yep, I know yes. you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it was illegal in my state to view back in a birth center. That option was completely off for me. Yeah, and, we talk about um, that in episode 12. Uh, Tisha Beeson. Ooh. Um, she's, yeah, in she's in Washington. She's in Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll have to oh, yeah. I yeah. would love to talk. I bet that we're in the same ICANN group, actually. I'm sure that we are. Yay. Yeah, and actually one of my clients who view back here She's in Washington now, and she's she's on our episode as well. And she's now looking like, okay, where can I have a baby now? Even though she has a proven, you know, like she's mm, delivered vaginally. Mm-hmm. So we proven need to cervix. Yeah, cervix proven is a rock star. Yeah, so we need to make some connections. But anyway, you should going. connect me to her. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I was kind of puzzled about where I would birth this baby. Um, I was going to mention the w- with respect to home birth midwives in Washington. If any home birth midwives living here, I hope I characterize this correct, correctly. Um, the understanding that I had from my former midwife and from those that I spoke to is that it's out of the scope. While it while it's not illegal for them to attend VBAC moms at home, it is out of the scope of their license. So their license could be revoked or in trouble. You know, say if it were known to their licensing board that they attended a woman at home who had had a previous surgical delivery. So I knew that, like, if I tried really hard, like, maybe I could find a midwife. Like, I really didn't know what to do, but I knew that birthing at a hospital was really out for me, honestly. I I was never going to do that again. I knew what that looked like, and I knew... um that I didn't really trust that system. And I, again, I want to say I totally understand that lots of women have great person hospitals. And this is no comment at all on anyone else's choice, but just for me personally, that was not an option for me. I couldn't, I couldn't go back to a system that I felt had brutalized me so much. And I had birthed at one of the better hospitals actually for, um, you know, for, 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 for first-time moms or one of the hospitals that was more natural friendly, I guess, for lack of a better term in my area. So so I sat on this for a long time, a couple of weeks, and I shed a lot of tears and just felt really lost and didn't know what to do. And then I remembered that I had a prenatal yoga teacher during my first son's pregnancy that had very sweetly, not in a scary way, but in a very sweet way, shared with our class that she had had a emergency cesarean with her first baby and had a, a home birth with her second baby. And at the time, I remember thinking back to her telling us this, and I thought, like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> like, how, what a strong woman. Like, how, how could you do that? You know, and I had thought, of course, well, that's never going to happen to me. Like, I'm never going to have a C-section. Like, but, I was ama- but her story had stuck in my brain because I was amazed that she had even done that. Like, it just blew my mind. So as I was having this memory, I also remembered that I had her email address. So I pulled out my phone and I emailed her and I said, hey, I i don't know if you remember me. I was in your yoga class, but I had a, I'm finding myself in a very similar situation that you were in, that you shared in class. And I'm wondering, like, how did you find a midwife? Like, what did you do? I live in Seattle. I don't even know where to begin. And she Bless her heart. She remembered who I was. She emailed me right away. This is totally like a divine providence thing. It was so meant to be. And she told me to get in touch with ICANN. 
Um, ICANN is the International Cesarean Awareness Network, and I know you guys must talk about this on your podcast all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're such a great resource for anyone who's had a C-section. Just can't really recommend them enough. And so I did. I got in touch with our local chapter here, and I kind of explained that, you know, I want to have my baby at home, and I'm not really sure where to start. And they gave me this very super secret list of home birth midwives that are willing to see feedback moms at home. And there was really only like one or two options in my area that was, you know, reasonably close to me. And it ended up that one of them was free for my due month. And so I had found my midwife. And at that point, I breathed a huge sigh of relief because I felt like, okay, one aspect of this, you know, uh, pregnancy is now dealt with. But then I had to really deal with the emotional peace and the emotional trauma and the distrust in my own body and the pain that I felt around birth. And I have to say, like, even though my first birth was a really scary, trying, unique, strange experience, I really believed that birth was safe. For some reason, I just really did. You know, I wouldn't have birthed at home if I didn't think it was. I I actually really trusted that I could do it on some deep level, and I don't know where that came from. I just kind of knew. So I spent that pregnancy doing all of the work that really I should have done two years prior. I should have been, you know, going to therapy and doing trauma processing and speaking out about how I felt about what happened to me and reading about birth trauma and, you know, educating myself about it. But I kind of crammed it all into that nine months. And I, I, I did a lot. One of the things that I did that was the most helpful for healing was I did some like hypnosis therapy. So like there was a woman in my area who's trained to work with women who have had traumatic births and I would give her a shout out, but I, I don't think she's practicing anymore. I couldn't find her before this episode actually. So I'm not sure what she's doing now, but she really helped me kind of like reprocess my past birth and then envision my upcoming birth. And I know that sounds really woo, but it actually really, really helped me a lot. It took away a lot of the anxiety that I had and it helped me feel like I could be just present with this pregnancy. Hey, woo and- works. Like, I, I believe <laughs> 100%. There's something about awesome. the woo that really works. So... So anybody awesome. challenge me on that, I will argue it all day. <laughs> I am super down with Wu. That's awesome. Yeah, it really helped me, honestly. And you know, as you as you guys can imagine, this pregnancy I was keeping and my midwives were keeping a really close eye on the size of this baby. And I really, to be totally honest, I truly let go of the end outcome because, like, I I I just took it day by day, and I was like, if I get to 37, 38, 39 weeks, and it looks and feels like I'm having another 12 pound and a half baby, like, I, I'm going to have to be okay with having a C-section perhaps, because I really didn't know what was going to happen. They say that second babies are bigger, and that's what people told me at least, and I really didn't know. It just took it day by day, and day by day, at every midwife appointment, every every time it's it, it, it all all evidence pointed to this being a very average sized baby, like a, just a very average sized baby. Definitely not a not as big as my previous. And I could kind of tell, you know, I as I got to the end, especially I could feel he was smaller. You know, once you carry a really big baby, you kind of know what that feels like. At least 
I'm sure other moms that have can attest to this. But I can only imagine. I, yeah, yeah. He just he's a lot smaller. I, I could just kind of tell, and I, I really didn't gain much weight at all. But like for me, that wasn't an indicator. Like I didn't matter. That wasn't the main indicator I was looking at. But I, but I could feel that I was smaller, and so I really felt pretty good about his birth going getting towards my third trimester and I will never I have to share this it's so special on exactly on my 40 week appointment with my midwife I went in she felt my belly took my blood pressure and I asked her one last time I said okay it's 40 weeks doesn't seem like a big baby and she looked at me and she goes Diana this looks like a very this feels like a very average size baby that's all I can tell you you know no one knows for sure but that's what she said and I left that appointment and I remember stepping off the curb of the office and feeling like a lightning bolt hit me, like straight from God. And it was, it, it was like a knowing in my bones that this was going to happen. I was going to have a beautiful birth. Like it was actually going to happen. And I've, I've never had a knowing like that before. It, it felt otherworldly. It felt like it didn't come from me. I'll never forget that moment. And I I went home in total peace, just total peace. I woke that up that very night. That is such a place to be in. I remember yeah. I had a moment like that in my third pregnancy. Um, that was The pregnancy was traumatic, but that's a whole other story. But I remember the day that my mind was freed and that I had, you know, healing and confirmation and Man, that, that's just an incredible mm. feeling to have, especially going into it like you, like you were coming into it, like. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so happy to hear that you experienced that too, because it's just so magical. I wish that for everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I woke up that very night, right at 40 weeks pregnant, at around 2 a.m., in labor, like hard labor, like a contraction jolted me out of bed, I knew exactly what was going on and it was like this labor started like 12 hours into my first labor, if that makes sense. Like all of the lead up was just didn't happen. It just kind of started, bam, labor was happening really fast right away. It was a totally different labor pattern, completely different experience. So I got up, it was about 2 a.m. I thought that I would want to let my husband and my two-year-old sleep as long as they could and I got up and I like took a bath and tried to relax and Nothing, nothing was the same. I mean, my, my previous labor, the water was so useful to me. And this time I just felt sort of hot and trapped and I didn't like it and I couldn't really get comfortable. And then I was on my own until about, until about 4 a.m. And I woke up my husband and I said, Hey, we got to call the midwife and the doula right now because this is happening fast. I could tell that my labor was just speedy, like a very speedy labor. It was happening very, yes. very fast. So. We called them at four. They, the whole team got here at five. And I labored really just kind of on my own. Like no one really messed with me. And I ended up, you know, I tried a lot of different positions. Nothing really, I don't know. It was so strange. It's like nothing really worked. You know, like I felt like the first time I got into a groove that worked and this time kind of nothing worked. I was just trying to find my breathing pattern or my position and I couldn't really figure it out and I ended up sitting upright in my bed probably the exact same place where he was conceived and in one moment 
just the fetal ejection reflex kicked in and he's shot right out of my body, right up onto my chest. And that <gasps> oh happened my gosh. At, right at, right at about like 8 a.m. in the morning. Oh my so that gosh. Means I, I only had like a six hour labor. Like it oh was my really gosh. bad. Holy cow. Yeah. Awesome. And I, it was awesome. I, no one touched him. No one took him from me. I pulled him oh right my up to my gosh. chest and he looked at me and he was, you know, he had not been drugged by, and there was no narcotics in my system. There was nothing. It was just such an incredible experience. And, you know, there's, I'll, I'll send you guys a couple of pictures, but the pictures that were immediately taken right when he was born, like I look like I've never looked higher than a kite in my entire life. Like I look like I am on ecstasy. I look like <laughs> I've never looked more beautiful. <laughs> crazy Aww. like here's those endorphins just <laughs> those endorphins are legit they are so legit <laughs> they are they are <laughs> yeah yeah so i had a really really beautiful powerful amazing undisturbed autonomous home birth after a very traumatic c-section and i just really wanted to share my story because i want anyone out out there you know even if you're Birth choices look different from me, or your path, or what, or your pregnancies, or whatever. I just want people to know that that actually is possible. You know, I I don't I actually yes. don't even credit myself too much with having a great second birth because I really think it was my son. I really think that he he you know wanted to be born in a certain way. I think that he kind of gave me this beautiful experience. If that makes sense, I don't really know that I can take too much credit for it, honestly. I just want people to know that it is possible if you've had a really traumatic birth or a birth that didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. Um, you are not broken at all. Your body is totally capable of having a VBAC. I, I just want everyone to know that it's possible. Oh my gosh. I'm still like gasping at the fact that like your baby just shot out. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's like, almost like the spot you conceived. It's like total full circle. Yeah. Should yeah. I share his size too? He was seven pounds, uh, he was seven pounds, ten ounces. So totally different kid. Like, and I did nothing different with all. I just had he was two half a baby totally almost. different kids. Yeah. Yeah. Half of, and you half know, of your they're first now, baby. Yeah. They're now, um, two and five and they're, they're just like literally totally different people. My five year old, my 12 pound baby, he's super tall, you know, just a big person. That's just who he is. <laughs> And my other one is just a smaller person. It's just so interesting. You know, they're just their their own unique humans from day one. Yep. <laughs> awesome. That is so awesome. Well, and I I just love your story. It's amazing. And like you said, like it, I think that's kind of a lot of the reason why we're here is to share these amazing stories and share with women out there that may have had a traumatic experience to say, hey. This is possible. It is possible. And obviously, like, there are certain areas and certain things that, you know, might try and kind of prohibit it. But really, don't be scared to reach out and dig deep and and find that connection because usually they're out there. And, and get some woo. Don't forget yes, the woo. Yes, and get some woo. Yes. Get some woo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And today, I really wanted to share a book that, we actually, we were contacted and Julie actually has the book at her house right now. And, and a book hog. 
And yes, and I know Diana, you said you have that book as well. I which do. Which is so awesome. So the book is called How to Heal a Bad Birth. And I think that really, even really, it's probably good for everybody, and it's if for both women and partners, because there are so many sections in there that talk about how to heal and how to process and everything. So I just kind of wanted to read a little bit from the back, and then I wanted to let you guys know we will have the link to this book where you can get this book on the show notes, and we will also have it on our blog. So that's utahvbacklink.com slash blog. If you want to go check out this book, definitely head over to our website and we will have that link for you. On the back, it talks about what the book offers. It talks about exploring and processing the emotional impact of your birth, strengthening the relationship with you and your partner. And I think that's also a really important thing is, like you said, you know, for the first birth, you you personally had a traumatic experience and your partner, although he did have, you know, your doula right by his side, your partner very well could have also experienced trauma as well. And so I think that it's good for people to know that, you know, process it, the trauma with you and your partners and learn how to strengthen that relationship. And then she talks about reconnecting with your child and how to deal with feelings such as failure or guilt or sadness or anger, and and how to really begin to plan for a better birth the next time. So we just are so excited about this book, and we hope that anyone can, everyone can go grab that. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm probably going to totally botch the last name, but it was written by Melissa Bruin and Debbie Gold. Definitely check them out, and you can um, find more about them at birthtalk.com. Dot org, and we will also have them linked in our show notes. So yeah, guys, they have an Instagram page called Birth Talk, and go find them and give them a like because honestly, they are doing so much to heal women from bad birth experiences and even create better ones for them. And to be honest, like you don't have to, you don't have to have a healing birth to heal from your birth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you can still heal I'm so if you're glad you said that. babies. Yes. And yes. so I um, I was so just going to say in here, um, you know, they, they have all these sections. I was flipping through it the other day and I was on the phone with Megan. Like I was getting so like geeky excited. And I was like, <laughs> listen to this. This is what they have. This is what they have. This is what they have. And I just, you know, they have a section on what if I'm done having a family? How do I feel? What if I... What if I am angry at my child? What if, how do I fix that relationship? What if I feel guilty? Mm-hmm. What if I feel like I didn't do something right? How, what, how do I get diagnosed for PTSD? How do I, you know, how do I even try and have another baby when I have such bad feelings about pregnancy and birth, like you said before? And the other section in the book that they cover very thoroughly is issues with your partner. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough. I feel like we don't talk about what the husband or or the wife even, I guess, the birth partner, the other support person, the other parent goes through witnessing birth trauma happening to their partner. You guys, this has a whole section dedicated to that, dealing with unresolved feelings about your partner. Like what if you are angry at your partner for not helping you or saving you and vice versa? Why didn't they save me? They think I'm 
tainting my birth by talking about it negatively. They just want me to get over it. I just want them to get over it. My partner is traumatized as well, but I haven't got room for his trauma because I'm dealing with my own trauma. Guys, they cover all of that in this book. Like, I cannot geek out over it enough, so I'm just going to stop right now because I could seriously go (laughs) through a whole hour-long podcast just talking about it. It is definitely worth having in your arsenal. Birth professionals, doulas, midwives, everybody have this in your lending library it is a must-have it's a must-read for anyone even not even VBAC moms you know um suffer from birth trauma so definitely have that one in your back pocket we are always looking for more inspiring stories to share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts post on social media with a hashtag why we VBAC and tag at the VBAC link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.